Welcome to episode 61. Oh, John's leaving. Of all the small takes. John was so disgusted by the start of the podcast, he just stood up and left. We'll carry on. He can catch up when he gets back. Should we? What's he doing? Yeah, no. That's okay. how most podcasts go anyways. Yeah, we'll peek behind the curtain. I said, welcome to, and John stood up, muted his computer, and walked away. So welcome <laughs> to episode 61 of all the small takes. It's just Cooper and me for now. John might be back with us. Oh, John's waving. He's still there. He'll be back in a minute, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Cooper, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I uh, It's like officially college football season for me. Started re-watching Ohio State games from 2014, getting pumped about winning a national championship. Um, yeah, so that's just that's where we're at. We're ignoring what happened in the NBA finals. Cooper's sports like calendar exists in two phases. It's <laughs> NBA and then college football. And as soon as one ends, the other begins. That's exactly right. You don't watch the NBA before January 12th or whatever it is. And then, yeah, up until June, it's all NBA. Back to college football. Okay, okay well, I, I'm afraid we're going to have to touch on the NBA a little bit because it's our obligation as journalists and as a sports podcast, but mm-hmm. we'll try to make it painless for you. John, yeah. back with us. <laughs> What's up? Yeah, no, I stood up because you were doing the the intro and I was going to go get water during the intro. <laughs> wow, thanks. <laughs> I can hear you perfectly fine. I walked like not even, well, I don't know, four feet that way. Okay, well, John is coming to us from Mississippi where somehow his sound quality is worse than it is in Indiana. So well, if, you hear, if you hear like the occasional, I don't know, frequent background noise, it's, it's John. <laughs> it's always John. Uh, but John, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. We love you, John. We do love you. <laughs> we like to have fun with you, but we do love you. And we're going to talk some uh, college baseball to satiate you too. Because also to satiate me because it is college baseball season. Cooper will have to deal with it. And we're also going to bring on a guest. So we have a guest today to talk some World Cup. It starts on Thursday. Uh, we'll, we'll spend a good amount of time talking about the World Cup. We'll do a quick little postmortem on the NBA finals. We have all summer to talk LeBron rumors and burner accounts and all that stuff. But we'll, uh, we'll touch on the NBA too. But first, you can check out our single Twitter account. We only have one. We don't have any burners that I'm aware of. John might know of others. Uh, so check it out, at Small Takes, Cooper... Cooper will still run it throughout the summer, and I imagine the World Cup will be some good Twitter content for the small takes. Maybe more positive Twitter content, too, since we don't have Cooper doesn't have a dog in this fight, particularly. Yeah, none of us do. None of us do. But we're going to get to that. We're going we're gonna to each find a, a bandwagon for the World Cup. So check us out on Twitter. Check Cooper out. Uh, shoot him some thoughts on the World Cup or anything else. You can also check us out on any of our social media accounts, but probably wouldn't recommend that. And then uh, download, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. And so with that, we wanted to touch on a few housekeeping things. And then I think we're going to bring our guest on first since he just texted me and said he's ready. Uh, but first, a couple quick housekeeping things. This Brian Colangelo story, I feel like we have to talk about it, even though it's now like a week and a half old. It, it literally broke the night after we were like the night of our recording of our last podcast. And so in the time since then, Brian Colangelo has obviously, uh, as John puts it, mutually agreed to part ways with the Philadelphia 76ers organization. Um, he got fired. He got fired. So, John, uh, just any thoughts? Any are you, are you glad to see this happen? Because I got the sense from him, at least a little bit of the Twitter scuttlebutt, that Brian Colangelo was not particularly well-liked. His aggressively large collars. Are you happy to see Colangelo go? Um, yeah, no, I don't. I think everyone disliked them mostly because they replaced Sam Hinkie and then hijacked the process. And I don't know who who knows where we would be right now if Hinkie was still in charge. That's really the question everyone's been asking. Like, would would we have used all of those? Uh, would we would we have traded the number one overall pick? Traded for the number one overall pick with the Celtics? You know, would we have just stayed at three? Like, just crazy, just crazy. <laughs> Maybe we'd already have LeBron. I don't know. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, like, do you have any concerns that this kind of, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's not like the, it's not a, I don't want to say like a smear, but it definitely is a story that affects the Sixers going into the offseason, especially now they have a vacancy at the top of the like basketball operations. And with it being an offseason where they're trying to woo a guy like LeBron James, 
do you have any concerns about like this affecting the team's free agency plans or success? My only concern is that we're potentially giving Joel Embiid too much power. It's amazing how much uh, I feel like power he's sucked up in the Sixers organization right now. So, because he definitely won, he won like the Twitter and I think the media war between him and the Colangelos because they, some of these burner accounts are being used to criticize him. And then he totally, it, I mean, went out and kind of whitewashed the guy on Twitter that night when it broke and then since then. So I don't know. that. I mean, if you're concerned that Joel Embiid has too much control within the organization, I would then you should be concerned about that. I'm not. I don't think it's a problem. I think that it gives us room to go get LeBron. I think LeBron is really the only thing that this offseason, the only acquisition that matters this offseason. I don't really care who we hire as OGM. I'm not sure that many other people do either. Cooper, you agree? Yeah, actually, um, from the Cavs experience of not having a GM last offseason, I would say it's important to have a GM. So I think a big mistake the 76ers could make is by not filling that position because uh, believe it or not, it is an important one. But I do see the Sixers kind of working this like in their favor because David Griffin is available um, as a GM. He's not doing anything except like really just TV and interviews and different things like that. And obviously, LeBron loves him as a GM. He worked really well in Cleveland. I think he's a really successful GM. So I could actually see this kind of working in the Sixers' favor to uh, you know, get LeBron on their team, which would be huge. Uh, I don't know if you saw some of the news about a, a dark horse LeBron contender that's sliding into the mix, though. I just want to throw that out there. Sourced by like one media outlet. Just shocking. <laughs> the, head, the head of which is like the biggest Boston stand in the history of yeah, the world. Really but yeah, we'll see. We got all summer to be on LeBron, uh, LeBron ticker watch. So we shall see. Um, do we want to bring in our, our interview, our guest? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Sure. So our guest this week is our good friend Nick, who came through uh, in a big way when we shouted him out last podcast. He responded like the next day to us on on the text message and said that he acknowledged uh, he does in fact listen. And so we said, "Hey, Nick is from Germany and is a soccer fan, and the World Cup is coming up, so let's bring him on to talk about soccer." And so here is our interview with our friend Nick. All right, we welcome on our good friend, loyal listener, who came in clutch last week when we shouted him out, jumped in like a day later and acknowledged it. It's Nick. It's our good friend from Notre Dame, our good friend from Germany. He's on to talk some soccer with us. He's coming to us from the great city of Chicago. Nick, how's it going? I'm doing well. Uh, appreciate the shout out from last week. I was honored to have been mentioned and uh, mainly here to clarify with, with John that I actually do listen. <laughs> questioned Ooh. my loyalty last week <laughs> we, we questioned everyone's loyalty <laughs> so yeah, we were we were pleasantly surprised I, I shouldn't say surprised but we appreciated you reverse shouting us out too we appreciate you listening and so we thought we'd bring you on to talk about the world cup because you are german uh, german <laughs> yes that is one thing but you're also the only the bigger... part i can talk about yep <laughs> You're one of the bigger soccer fans that we know. You and you and Cooper and John, and then I sit somewhere on the sidelines, but I can toss in a comment here and there. But we are going to do uh, kind of what we did back in college football season. We were previewing all the different college football conferences, which is like your yearbook superlatives, mm-hmm. like the most likely two or like the the best of something. And we're just going to run through World Cup storylines that way. Um, we don't need you to talk in a German accent, but if you did it, I don't think we would mind. <laughs> no, we'll just, we'll, we'll get right into it. And there's a lot of questions on this page. So you're going to have to give me a minute to find my bearings. Cause like I said, I don't really know anything about soccer, but have, we'll start with this one. Cause I, I know this storyline. What okay. was that? Do you have a large German speaking audience that we can appeal to here? We could. <laughs> I think no, but we, we did have listeners from Russia, which was pretty sweet. We might get, oh, get those people back. We lost them. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so soccer, the, the World Cup. Um, we'll start with this one because this is one that I'm at least vaguely enough, familiar enough with. It's the group. So the group of death is a thing that happens like every World Cup. There's always a group, and it seems like in the past, the U.S. 
would inevitably find itself in the group of death, or at least the last World Cup, I think they were. So this year, obviously that won't be the case, but what will be, in your estimation, the group of death in this year's World Cup, Nick? Um, I think Group D is going to be coming out with... It's, it's hard to predict because there are a lot of high-class teams in there. So you have Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, and Nigeria. Argentina, with their heartbreaking loss to Germany in the 2014 World Cup and Messi resigning after the Copa a year or two ago, they're definitely going to try and, and prove something. I mean, Messi has come out and said that he has to win a tournament for his country or else he can't be considered one of the greatest. But that being said, we know about Iceland having had their surprise run at the Euro Cup two years ago, and they played a pretty strong qualification too. They won their group. And then Croatia has a lot of talent, especially in the midfield with Modric and Rakitic playing for Spain's two best teams. And uh, they have a lot of talent up front too. And then you have Nigeria, who's kind of the underdog in the group, but they also played a, a really good qualification. They're led by uh, John Obi-Mikkel, who's played for Chelsea and has managed to, to form and lead that team. So they, even though they are the underdogs, I think have a, have a decent chance if, if they get a, a win against Croatia or Iceland and, and even get a point or something against Argentina to come out of that group. So that, to me, is the most open group where you don't have clear one and two spots. Okay. So you, you're already getting the hang of this sports <laughs> podcasting thing because you did a good job of explaining things really well, but you didn't you didn't pick a side. You didn't plant your flag anywhere, and that's a surefire way to keep yourself keep yourself safe. So good job. Good job on the first question. John and Cooper, what do you guys what do you guys think? Who's the group of death? What is the group of death? I think, group- I think we said F, right, Cooper? We were talking beforehand. I don't know what you said. No, oh, no we, I disagreed on one. We agreed on one. No, I like kind of agree with you. I'm pivoting. You're pivoting. Are you? Are you pivoting to B? No, I'm to what did you just say? H. I'm going to H. Oh, okay. That was one I was. Okay. Anyway, should we say what what's actually in the groups, or should we just that would that would be helpful? <laughs> <I'll> just <laughs> to <focus> our audience. <laughs> group Group F is Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea. So I think we agreed South Korea was pretty bad, but we thought the other three were at least all kind of equally good. And then Cooper, I'll let you explain. Yeah, so Group H is Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. And I just, uh, kind of like Nick said, I don't know who's going to finish first in that group because I think Poland and Colombia are pretty much equals. Um, obviously, like that's kind of who I'm thinking advances out of this group. But I think Japan can kind of sneak past some people, and I don't think Senegal lost uh, in World Cup qualifying in Africa. Which is pretty impressive. Um, that was my quick little like Google search while Nick was talking. So <laughs> I feel pretty good about that research. And I don't know, like I only know like two of their players, like Cheku Kiate and Sadio Mane. I guess he's pretty good. So yeah, they you know, like who knows? Maybe they like make the group kind of interesting and like pull like points away from you know Colombia by like tying them, and then all of a sudden like Japan has a shot. Um, I just think that group could be kind of interesting. John, so so to be clear, John likes group F as the group of death. Cooper likes group H. Are you both picking F and H? It, it was unclear to me. Oh, I'm going, I pivoted to H last minute. Which yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know if like you can be right. The, but, there's not really an objective way to measure this. <laughs> Just kind of makes it makes it nice for us, at least. One, I mean, not, not neither of those groups has Iran or Saudi Arabia in it, so it's better than two of the other groups. So, I mean, okay, yeah. My last minute research revealed that by FIFA rankings, like if you look at each team's, oh, yeah, because those are ranking, super like on point, yeah, yeah. So, they're <laughs> they're so accurate according to like teams are. So, uh, by that ranking, group E is actually has the highest average because Brazil and Switzerland are really high up there oh yeah because switzerland's like in the top five yeah that makes yeah sense. which i'm not sure yeah that happened uh so you never know actually i'm I'm curious who's going to come out i mean brazil is the clear favorite in that group but between switzerland costa rica and serbia uh i'm honestly not sure who's gonna get that second place spot 
And all right, so all group. but two of the groups are groups of death. I think that's what we can do. <laughs> and I'm gonna go ahead and take one more off the board, but I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it. And I would say the, like the softest group here, my small brain soccer knowledge is Group A with Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Uruguay. Mm. Uh, is that you, you were explaining to me earlier that that's typically what they do for the host nation? They give them the cupcake group well it's not so. necessarily a cupcake group but like that's how it works is because they get pulled like they get put in pool one so they don't get another pool one team so they're avoiding you know you're like germany's your brazil's uh portugal kind of like teams like that but i do think this group's gonna actually be like really interesting and they'll have lots of players to watch like egypt has mohammed salah which will be like super interesting if he comes uh, back from an injury he's gonna come back I'm pretty sure he's going to come back. Um, <laughs> Uruguay, you never know what happens with like Suarez. Suarez. And then yep. obviously, like, the, you know, the home country is going to have a lot of momentum. So, like, I don't think this group's going to be like disinteresting. That's fair. That's fair. And again, small brain me with my limited soccer knowledge. Just didn't see one of those big, like, top tier countries there. But that is what makes it interesting. Is you, right. you don't have a, a clear, probably Uruguay is, is the favorite just based on overall team quality but all those teams are relatively close i actually think there's a good chance russia doesn't advance out of that group oh i, I agree well we're also discounting what like the latest innovations in russian doping will do <laughs> John, John, you gotta be really careful we have russian listeners and they know people and i'm just saying <laughs> careful, careful. Okay, uh, so since that question turned into a preview of all the groups but one, um, we'll move on to another. Let's talk. Um, this is one I liked because I kind of remember this from the 2010 World Cup. The team most likely to pull a 2010 France. And so this, as I recall, was a complete implosion. The players were like, there's a lot of infighting. And I think some guys even quit like during the World Cup or, or at least like refused to play. I might be making that up, but it was it got ugly. Uh, is there a, a team or a country where you could see something like that happening again? Um, even though a lot of things have changed in France, that is actually possible again for them. Because <laughs> um, they've had a lot of disagreements and they, I mean, they have a tons of superstars. I mean, their team is stacked from front to back, but they haven't in the last two years at least. I mean, they had a, a great run at home and they were carried by the crowds when they were playing at the Euro two years ago. But uh, I, for one, don't understand why they're still playing Giroud up front when they have so much other talent. And Benzema didn't make the team. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> I don't, there, there's still like a lot of disagreement and, and Griezmann and Pogba are probably the two biggest stars and they don't seem to get along that great. And so there's there's a possibility of them. I, I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to win this group, regardless of whatever they have going on off on off the field. But it's it is kind of funny how here we are again four years later, and there's there's some talks about the uh, I wouldn't call it infighting, but just general disagreements between players and who gets to have the most glory on their team. It does seem like they have a lot of divas. Like they are not French. a lot about yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there, we, there we got to the root of it. Uh, John and Cooper, do you guys see any other teams? Do you agree with Nick? Who's got the potential to have a little bit of an implosion? I I, I kind of I, I agree with Nick. That's what I was I was thinking of France because just watching the the U.S. friendly that we you know we drew against them, which is pretty good. You know, we should mention that before we go to the podcast. <laughs> But anyway, um, I mean, just watching that, I mean, they were like all of the all the storylines that the announcers had to talk about because they didn't know anything about the, the young Americans that were playing were about the, the potential fault lines within the French team. And then, I mean, like the French are like Golden State, but no one is as selfless as Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Like they all want to be the big name guy and it's going to be a huge problem. Like they're probably they're going to win their group, but they're going to run into a lot of issues in the ensuing stages, especially if they come up against like a team like the Germans or like the Portuguese, where Ronaldo is clearly in charge and is probably going to try and pick you apart somehow. Cooper, I don't know if I have an answer to this question. Like, part of me wants to say, like, I know. I think I actually wrote the question. Um, 
part of me wants to pick England just because I'm like, they have a lot of young players and a lot of talent, but I don't know how much success they're going to find in this tournament. Um, and also have a lot of deep buzz. I think team that's just going to like completely implode is Colombia um, in terms of like meeting kind of expectations. I just don't see them. I don't think their team is honestly that great. I think they're, and the expectations of the team are kind of just way too high. And I just kind of see them struggling. I don't know if it's going to like lead to an implosion, but that is kind of a team I think that is going to under pressure. I think another team I just thought of, as you said, expectations are too high is the Belgians because they have some of the biggest stars that they've ever had represented at this tournament, but they have no history of playing together. And I think that's going to hurt them in the long run. And that's what kind of showed in the last two tournaments is that they have incredible individual quality, but they haven't learned how to play together yet. So, and the expectations are incredibly high. So you're just eliminating all the other strong European countries to make yourself feel better. (laughs) (laughs) I actually don't know if we would ever face Belgium. Well, maybe in the final. I don't know. But I think Belgium's, Belgium's the real deal. And I think having players like De Bruyne and Hazard as your two best players who aren't known for having big heads and are really quality players that set up um, like their teammates, I think, exceptionally well. Hopefully, I kind of see those two as operating as kind of like glue for their team. I expect big things in Belgium, but I also think that they will kind of deliver on those expectations. I, I think a little, a little like maybe asterisk here too for me is Brazil. Um, because as long as we're going to talk about divas, we're going to talk about maybe you know attitudes and things like that. Brazilians have to be up there, but also their group is actually kind of sneaky tough. Like, oh, um, another group of death. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like we're, we're oh, so we've got every group is a group of death, and every top tier team is capable of imploding. Got it. But I mean, like, <laughs> except for Germany. Except for Germany. <laughs> they, I That's think cool. they have to watch out. Like they can't. They can't just cruise on talent. Uh, we're like such a middleman podcast. I love it. Um, so pivoting right from the Germany thing, that's actually a great segue. Nick, how or why will Germany lose the World Cup this year? This was not my question, for the record. <laughs> so what 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 goes wrong for Germany? This is Cooper's question. Um, they never find themselves and get their rhythm because they are the last two friendlies they've had to try and prepare for the World Cup have been not great, to to put it nicely. Uh, so they just scraped by Saudi Arabia the other night, and it should have been a tie. Like Saudi Arabia had a one-on-one with the goalie with like a minute left to go, and somehow they managed to keep it out. So I think Germany has a lot of depth, but they still uh, Yogi Löw still kind of builds on the the core of the of, of the team that won four years ago. So you have your your Center backs, Boateng, Hummels, then you have Kroos and Kadira, and then Özil and Müller, and then I don't know what he's going to do uh, on the left wing because he has, for some reason, he really likes Draxler or Draxler. That's who's going to play. Please, please keep saying names in your German accent. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, I really hope he's he's going to give uh, Marco Reus a chance. To me, he's a better player. He's had a lot of difficulties with injuries in the past couple of months. And he actually missed the last two big tournaments like in tragic fashion weeks before the tournament started due to injury. Uh, so this could be his big chance to kind of come out on like an international stage and show that he is a world-class player, which I believe he is. Uh, it's just a matter of whether he gets the chance to show it on the field. So because we have a lot of players that have achieved a lot of things, there's been lots of talks of they're not hungry enough. They've already like reached their peak, so why, why should they push even further? Which I disagree with because you have a lot of young players that are going to push the, the more established ones, and there is a lot of competition. But there's a couple of pieces that are missing that were there in 2014. Like Our outside backs are not nearly as strong. They're way more forward-oriented, which leaves them way more vulnerable in the back. So I think our, our defense is going to be our biggest weak point. And if opponents, especially with, with fast outside wingers, can exploit that, that's going to be 
where Germany's going to run into a lot of trouble. So that's that's kind of how I, I see if they if they manage to plug their holes in the back and somehow manage to get into a rhythm like they did four years ago and play as a cohesive team, they have a good chance of making a, a long run again and even defending their title. And they have individually the capability of beating any team in the world. It's just a matter of can they fix their problematic areas by the time those big names come and oppose them. Okay, so Cooper, I'll turn the question to you. Uh, how and why does the U.S. lose the World Cup this year? <laughs> it's actually impossible. I don't think. We yeah, can. They, I don't think they can lose the World Cup. So, I mean, in a I'm way, they already have. It's just impossible for them. Uh, I'm to answer this question because I want to like yeah get no on in a little bit. So I think one thing Nick did not mention, on top of the fact that I think their outside backs are super weak, would be somehow Germany, and I don't fully understand this. Is still missing like a number nine. They haven't had like a, oh, for I guess you, Jeff, a number nine is like a striker, forward, center forward. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. I thought you needed that. They haven't had one since I guess 20, really 2006, but kind of 2010. And it's mind blowing. And I guess Timo Werner is like a little bit of an upgrade, but not really because I don't even think they brought like a center forward to the World Cup last year. I mean, last uh, cycle um, in 2014. So I think that's a huge kind of fault in their lineup. And then another thing Nick did not mention is I don't think Germany has replaced uh, Schweinsteiger or Lom in terms of like leaders uh, and guys on the field who just kind of like Cruz is not stronger. He's not. He might be a better like player technically. Actually, I think he probably is a better like player technically. Uh, he just doesn't kind of strike me as the leader that Schweinsteiger was. And there's definitely no one in the lineup who like had the kind of I don't know leadership qualities that I think Lom possessed and kind of just drove Germany to success over the past two decades really. Yeah, that's a good point. I agree. I mean, there was a lot of controversy about Neuer in the first place, whether he was going to play at all. Uh who's for Jeff, that's our new captain. Yeah, the um, goalie, right? Yeah. He's exactly. the one. I, so I remember weird things about people, and I remember you told me he has like a children's television show in Germany, or like is featured on a children's television show in Germany. I don't remember you telling me <laughs> that at all. <laughs> uh, never mind. Don't mind me. Continue. Continue. I'm gonna look this up because I swear. It's that. Yeah. Maybe someone else will do that. I don't remember telling you that. Anyway, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. There isn't the the clear leadership structure that was in place four years ago is kind of, uh, for lack of better terms, has retired in the last four years. So with Manuel Neuer not even being a guarantee to play two weeks ago, I mean, they basically made it contingent on how he would do in the, the friendlies leading up to the World Cup. Uh, for people who don't know, he broke his foot in like September of last year and didn't play a single game all season after that. So there's been a lot of talks of whether he would be ready on time. Is he going to have the same form? And uh, they came out and, and the coach actually came out and said, if he is not ready to play, he won't come to the World Cup. So he's either playing as our number one goalkeeper or he's not playing at all. We had a, a great number two in Ter Stegen who played in an amazing season for Barcelona. So I wasn't, Ever really worried about the goalkeeper position in general, but that could also cause some chemistry issues inside the team. Because for mm. I mean, it's could a terrible situation. Could Germany pull a 2010 France? I don't think they're going to implode, <laughs> but it, it could definitely hurt them in the long run if they don't if they don't manage to pull on the same string. So if there's some some disagreements on whether Neuer should have surpassed Ter Stegen despite his injury and, and lack of playing time. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case because Neuer has proven himself to be back in form and he played well the last two games. So I'm not concerned about that. But it, there's there's possibilities of potentially... I'm really grasping at straws here. Then some of the guys rooting more for Ter Stegen than Neuer and causing some imbruting that way. But I don't really see that happening. And as John pointed out, they are in the group of death. So it's just kind of something to you. One of the groups of death. Right. <laughs> the many groups of death. 
I mean, it's, it's it's the Russian World Cup, so that makes sense. You know, let's <laughs> uh, we've got a lot of questions here, John. This is yours, so I'll I'm let you take the lead. No, sorry. No, I'm not. The, I'm, I'm I'm not the host. Come on, Jeff. I, oh. Part of the reason why I question up here was I wanted you to ask it and then give a couple multiple choice answers. Yeah. Okay. Pick four. All right. Yeah. That's this is going to be a fun <laughs> pronunciation battle for me. Not the last thing. Let me delete those real quick for you. There you go. <laughs> so, Nick, you've been exiled. Oh, hypothetical here. You've been exiled to Russia for leaking state secrets, hypothetically, of course. Uh, <laughs> which, which state? Uh, so, you're ahead of me a little bit. <laughs> which World Cup host city do you want to settle in? Where, where do you settle as a Russian exile? Do you settle in... Oh, my God. These pronunciations are... <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the easy ones. Uh, Samara, <laughs> Volgograd. There you go. Saransk, <laughs> Kazan, Kazan, um, or Nisi Novgorod. <laughs> so so maybe maybe we just open this one up since I don't know if that may. <laughs> for all I know, these could be completely made up cities or countries <laughs> or states. Where where in Russia, Nick, do you want to settle as a Russian exile? Can you repeat my possible answers? I got <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> Not even if I try. <laughs> uh, you said Saudansk, right? That was the first one? Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. I know nothing about any of the World Cup locations other than Moscow and St. Petersburg. So. Same. And those are the ones that John conveniently, the ones that I could easily pronounce and I'm familiar with, John, remove those from the list. <laughs> Is there Wait, so I have a question? Is Sochi one of them too? Yeah. I just said so. Yeah, you're taking oh, okay. all the you're taking all the easy wins for me, which I <laughs> I'm sensing was a little intentional. I don't know. I don't think I don't there's know one Russia. in the middle of um, Siberia. That's what you're Yeah, there wasn't one in the middle. That was really disappointing. I was really hoping for one of those. Um, that would be the true group of death. There's to play there. I don't know how I didn't put this one on the list, but there's one called Oh, sorry. E Ekertenberg. Um, See, it's not so easy. Yeah, no. So it's that's pretty close to um that's probably the closest one to Siberia. Yeah, it's on the border of Europe and Asia, which is yeah. So, All right, next question. Okay, so that was Russian geography with John. Yep. Um let's do one more superlative and then we'll do our picks. So who will be the most who's the most hated player in this tournament, aka the Luis Suarez award for most likely to bite somebody else? Even other than Luis Suarez? It could be still be. It could still be Luis Suarez. I mean, yeah. he's just a mistake for of, the award. Of all people at the World Cup that are most likely to bite someone, Luis Suarez tops that list, <laughs> given his history. If we're looking at track record. Yes, <laughs> it's a sample. It's a I sample mean, of one. <laughs> he's. I think he has two up on everyone else. So. Oh, two, right. <laughs> um, we can also call this the uh, Zenadine Zidane. Award, but I don't know if that cuts a little too deep for you, Nick. Yeah, it's it's sad. Wait, no, was he German? No, he's French. He's French. He's French. <laughs> Never mind. It's okay. Good try. We talk about baseball. <laughs> okay, so no, really. So Luis Suarez is your pick, Nick. Oh yeah, definitely. Just based on history. I mean, okay. just being at a World Cup and and coming up with that name, it brings back memories. Despite the Italians not being there. Mm. And that was that was also a question we had that we won't get to, but it's good to remind people that it wasn't just the United States as the high-profile uh, team that will be absent. Uh, John Cooper, who's your uh, Luis Suarez award winner? So I think sleeper for most hated player could be uh, Messi. Maybe he like gets really sucked into the whole "I have to win this for Argentina" thing, and he does something horrible. You know, like I could see him like spitting on someone. Sitting on someone, maybe he accidentally gouges some guy's eye out on the field. <laughs> you know. That would be good to be. <laughs> if it happens at seven in the morning, does it really matter? Oh yeah. So, I I I, I think maybe he's a sleeper because Ronaldo doesn't seem to have the same sort of pressure. As long as he gets a free kick that he can do, you know, dumb stutter step things on, he's good. But Messi feels the pressure of a nation. So, like my go-to for this pick would have been David Luiz, but he got hurt. So he's not playing for Brazil, which sucks. Well, actually, it's probably a good thing because I can't stand him. It's one of my least favorite players. So not David Luiz. All right, I'm going to go like a different direction. Phil Jones is my pick, and it's not because he's going to do anything on purpose, 
but that dude so he's a defender for england he is the most clumsy soccer player i've ever seen and he is totally going to accidentally injure someone like really badly and it's going to be like someone's favorite player uh and everyone's going to hate him so that'll happen someone i forgot uh sergio ramos could be on that list too given yeah, his but everyone, champions league final you should just pick like the two easiest answers <laughs> it's very practical in eunuch um is I, guess I, should probably, I should probably throw one out there too huh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What players do you know? So the one that I kind of gravitate towards is uh, I think you pronounce his name De Bruyne from Belgium. Oh yeah, because <laughs> oh, he that, yeah. for no other reason than he does not look like he should be good at soccer at all. He's got one of those faces. He's got one of those faces. He does not look like he should be playing the World Cup for a contender. Um, I think it might be, I don't mean to be mean, but I think it might be the red hair too. That might have something to do with it. Like he just, he kind of looks like the sort of player that could get under your skin easily. This is, this This, podcast is really taking a turn in terms of, you know, sort of quasi racial profiling of, of (laughs) no, no, I was just saying, I want to know how Jeff got a list of like players and like images who are playing in the world cup. So he could pick one. No, I know what the point looks like. I've played enough FIFA to know what he looks like. (laughs) I don't know. That's just my thought. You were agreeing with me, John, until I talked about his red hair. Yeah, I know. Because well, I think you don't need to throw the hair into it. I think it's just in general. Does he play for Man City? Yes. Yes, yeah. he does. Which also, I think, might add to the hateability. I'm not a fan of that guy. I do not like him. Thank you. All right. He's arguably like the second best player in England. I know, but he's like David Wilson. I feel like I've struck a nerve here. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us into... The, uh, the bandwagon portion of the show. So, Nick, you might be familiar with bandwagon, uh, okay. which is the same we do sometimes. So we're doing bandwagon teams for the World Cup, but the the one caveat is it can't be the country that you're from. So we're all going to jump on a bandwagon <laughs> of a country that we are not from. That's a simple rule. So uh, with that in mind, who's the who's the team that's not Germany? We put like a little wager on it. We could do that. Yeah. Hypothetically speaking, of course. Like bandwagon most fun to follow or who I want to win the World Cup? Yeah, who you want to win? Who you think is going to win? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of a boring answer, but I think Spain is going to pretty much destroy everyone who gets in their way. They haven't, they haven't lost in like 20 games or something ridiculous. And they're going to be, uh, un- unless they have something weird happen like four years ago, uh, which I don't foresee. As long as they make it to the quarterfinals, I think they're going to go all the way. That's the team I see going the farthest and not really having opponents be able to break down. Hmm. Kind of a big uh, bounce back World Cup for Spain too. Didn't they get bounced in the first round? Like they didn't make it out of... Yeah, they didn't make it out of the group stage four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, John, who's your bandwagon team that's not the United States? Um, I'll, I'll do Germany. Uh, since they're available, you know. Uh, <laughs> 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 okay. Perks of going yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're really good. The Germans are really good at football. It was uh, them or them or France. And um, I'd love to. I, mean, I don't. I, I don't dislike the French as much as I thought I was going to. Um, to be perfectly honest, I really anticipated hating them. But <clears throat> maybe it was because the U.S. played so well against them. You know. Yeah. yeah. Which again, we still haven't talked about really at all, but I'll just float it out there. So, yeah, I'll do Germany. I'll do Germany. Okay, Cooper. I was going to pick France, but I just feel like that seems like just almost as lame as picking Spain. So, I'm not going to. Um, I'm going to go with Brazil. I think they have a bounced back World Cup from their last experience, uh, last experience getting trounced uh, by Germany. Uh, they have some of my favorite oh, players. Yeah. Really? It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, so like. Coutinho, William, Neymar. About Brazil. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> William, Neymar, uh, Gabriel, Jesus, Coutinho. I don't know if it gets much better in terms of attacking options than what Brazil has. You know. You know. Arguably, this might be like kind of Neymar's World Cup to kind of say that he is now uh, with Ronaldo and Messi kind of aging the best player in the world. And so I kind of look forward to watching them play. And so I'll root for them. Why not? Okay, I did not realize this was going draft style that we would we would have to each pick a team up. So you took up all the good ones naturally, but I will take. There's uh, plenty uh, of good teams left. I know that. <laughs> so I'll take Belgium actually. Ooh. I'll take Belgium 
which is probably going to anger me because they do have De Bruyne, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to watch his red hair. Across I'm going to have to watch his red hair and his, his, stupid, <laughs> his unlikable face. <laughs> stupid, unathletic looking face. Again, I'm not the most informed soccer fan, but I do know that Clearly. when they played the U.S. in the last World Cup, they were kind of like that year's sleeper team or like team a team that people said was on the cusp. And they do ha- seem to have a lot of talent, I guess. They have a good goalkeeper from what I hear, too. He's the goalie for, uh, oh, what's the goalie's name? Um, Courtois. Uh, plays Courtois. for Chelsea. I got Man. you. Trying my best here. You're doing a good Bel- job. I'll take Belgium. Uh, Lukaku, I also know. Is Lukaku on the Belgian team? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Lukaku, he's, he's a beast from my FIFA experience. <laughs> so I like Lukaku. I like, I'll find, my, find it in my heart to like De Bruyne and uh, go Belgium. Anything else? I'm kind of excited for this, actually. It'll save us from some of the like swoon of lack of sports news and conversation that we usually get this time of the year. Nick, are you excited? Nick, yeah. when is the Germans' first game? It is on the 17th, I believe. So let me double-check that real sure. So, Nick, who are you going to root for? Are you going to root for Spain or Germany now? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. My, old, my loyalties will not be questioned. <laughs> All right, so we got uh, the. I think that tournament kicks off on Thursday. Sounds like Germany starts on Sunday. Be yeah, Sunday. Yep. All right. So we oh, appreciate actually, it, which will be fun. Yeah, and we appreciate you coming on to join us. Thanks for listening and for taking forty minutes of your Sunday to come hang with us. Thanks for having any, me. Any, any parting words? Uh, appreciate you guys calling me up. I actually jokingly uh, told Mimi. Right, right before the podcast that we listen to, that uh, usually I should call me up and have me on as a, a World Cup correspondent, and then I listen to your podcast literally the next day, and you give me a shout out, and I was like, I, I guess this is happening. So it's happening, and uh, we may maybe we'll bring you back on as a recurring World Cup correspondent guest as we uh, as we go through this because now that the NBA finals are over and I can't get these two guys to talk about baseball. Well, I would assume most of our content will be world cup related. All right. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be happy to. That'd be fun. All right. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. Thanks again to Nick for hopping on and chatting some soccer with us. We appreciate him listening. Appreciate him dealing with our, my at least ignorance about soccer. Um, but I know John Cooper very much enjoyed the chance to talk soccer uninterrupted for 40 minutes. I don't think Cooper is going to enjoy what we're talking about next as much. Yeah, I wish we would have done this before the interview. But we'll, we'll make it brief because we've talked a little bit about this, and we have the summer of we have the summer of LeBron to look forward to, which will give us a good amount of content as we go. So we're not going to do too much speculation about LeBron destinations or free agency. We're just going to do a, a little bit of a post mortem on the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's probably for the best that we are recording. We, we didn't record a mid-finals episode. We are just doing a, an end-of-finals episode because the Cooper that we got to experience after game one is, is not a fun Cooper. <laughs> not a happy Cooper. No, not at all. Yeah, not a Cooper that we could probably put on the airwaves, to be totally honest. Yeah, not one we want to show the world. No. Well, I mean, no. we could have added an explicit tag. I think it would have been okay. Or we could have done what I did last week, and then we could have just used would the have reggae been a horn. A lot of reggae horn. <laughs> yeah. So, so Cooper has had some time to digest. We'll start with Cooper, and then uh, we'll, we'll all chime in. But reactions, thoughts on the series. I mean, you may or may not have been reverse jinxing it, but you seem to think that this was. We all did that. This was the Warriors' like inevitable path to domination and. What were your thoughts on the series? What are your thoughts on the season? How the whole postseason went for the Cavs? Wow, those are some heavy questions. Just uh, just not... start with the, just go with the finals, I guess. All right, so no, I'm going to just answer all of them. So incredible postseason by LeBron, uh, maybe the best postseason ever. You know that definitely that I've ever witnessed, and maybe that you know really anyone who's been following the NBA for decades has ever witnessed. Um, so that's you know. I think, you know, probably the most important thing that I had to remember. Number two is the Cavs were never going to win the series ever. It just wasn't going to happen. I thought they were going to get swept. And yes, I was frustrated after game one. Um, I went into that game expecting a blowout. Uh, and I thought 
the ref's decision with that uh, charge block call was uh, borderline ridiculous. Obviously, if the Cavs win that game, I think it is a compl- maybe a little different of a series. Maybe they end up winning like two, but I still think the Warriors end up winning. Uh, maybe the most frustrating part about that is I guess LeBron like broke his hand uh, punching something after that game, which was kind of understandable because that was the most frustrated I've ever been uh, with an officiating as a fan. Um, and so that kind of like made his other three finals games uh, not impressive by LeBron standards, even though I think he still averaged a triple double and somewhere near 30 points. So game one was frustrating. Uh, did I answer all your questions? I think I did. The only other thing I think about a lot is uh, what Kyrie would have done. I don't know if it would have been enough to overtake Golden State. I do not think Golden State was as good as they were last year. They've definitely kind of like hit a little bit of like a malaise, but. I still don't know if it's good enough to beat them. It would have been a better series. But that Golden State team with Steph and Durant and Clay. I mean, really, you're looking at a team of three of the top 10 scorers in the NBA, two MVPs. Um, I mean, I think Steph and Durant might actually be the two best offensive players in the league. And it's unfair. You put Durant on that ISO and how much spacing that team creates. And he's just going to get buckets. And he did in game three. So the inevitability of Golden State just kind of cruising in the NBA for the next couple of seasons kind of hit me pretty hard. I want to unpack one thing and maybe push back on one thing that you said, which is that the series wouldn't have gone differently if the Cavs didn't win game one. If the Cavs did win game one, I should say. I said differently, but I said Golden State still wins the series was my point. Eh, But don't you think that they exposed some things in game one that like, I just think the tone of the series changes if they win game one at home. Game ones are weird. And never like that's just game ones are weird. I think Golden State was the better team. There's no way they lose that series. I don't know. I think there's potential that because Katie was not good in game one at all, and he no. t- he turned into like vintage dominant, like all world beating Katie the rest of the series. But there's a scenario in which like game one they lose, the temperature starts to get turned up a little bit, and and he starts to press or like goes into a little bit of like a funk. I don't know. I just think like. There's a scenario in which, I mean, game one was an enormously pivotal game in that series, which goes without saying. But to say that the series was going to end with the Warriors winning regardless, I don't know if that's 100% accurate. John, you, you can chime in here too. I know we've focused yeah. mostly on our good pal Cooper here. But um, Do you want to repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> John, your thoughts on the Sixers offseason? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just your thoughts on the finals in general. Like, do you think it was inevitable that the Warriors were going to win? Like, even if the even if say Game One, which was the closest game and the most, uh, I guess, winnable for the Cavs of the series, had gone differently. Yeah. So the um, the Cavaliers were never going to beat the Warriors. The only team that could beat the Warriors would be the Warriors, and they tried to beat themselves in Game One because I think. I mean, some people are getting really angry about the narrative that's out there that the Warriors are one of the laziest, best teams in basketball, but it's the truth. I mean, they won the second finals they went to that year. They won 73 games, right? Uh-huh. And they got better in the offseason, and they didn't win as many. They still won the NBA title. And then they, I mean, they stayed the same. They got a bit better again this offseason. They, they never play to the level they, could, they can play until they got to games two, three, and four, which is Kevin Durant playing as well as as great as he is. And I think looking forward, the biggest issue for the Warriors isn't like age or schematic changes or anything. It's the inevitable friction that's going to come between Steph and KD. Steph is the face of the franchise, but KD is by far their best player. I mean, I think it's already started to happen a little bit, because there's, there's stuff floating out there about how Steph really wanted to be finals MVP and he was not. And I don't think so they're necessarily. Sorry, just said should have been finals MVP. Keep going. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like a Shaq and Kobe situation yet, but I mean, like I think any, any duo in the NBA is, has the potential to be that unless one of them completely defers to the other. And the Warriors are not good when KD defers to the rest of the, uh, the team because he's their best player. And Steph seems to be reaching the point where he doesn't want to defer to KD. And that's, there's going to be a problem eventually. It's not, maybe not going to be next year and maybe not the year after that, but at some point in time, they're, 
they're going to have to make a decision about who's the guy in charge and who's the guy whose face is going to go on all the banners. Who's going to be the alpha? Yep. I don't think that's an issue. I think Kevin Durant's the alpha on the court. I don't think Steph cares about it. But it's also Steph, like Steph is the face of the franchise, and I think everyone knows that. I could see Kevin Durant being upset that he is not the face of the franchise. Yeah, um, I don't think it's. Player. I don't think it's Steph's. Like, I think Steph. This kind of what makes him so great is he knows how good he is, but he also doesn't like really care about it. Like he does not that idea of like being, you know, the alpha on the court or everything running through him. It just like it doesn't seem to matter to him because uh, he's just always going to get his. And I think that's honestly probably one of his best traits and what makes this Golden State team really good. I don't know. The, the level that they're at right now, they're going to start to run out of things to chase as a team. Um, unless LeBron goes and joins Boston, like I think we talked about, he might, in which case they're going to have probably a legitimate opponent there. But they're going to run out of things to chase as a team. And the only thing at that point, what is left is to chase individual things. And, but didn't that happen already, though? Like, I feel like winning two and three years, like that was the narrative this year a little bit, was that they'd run out of things to, to chase and that they'd gotten complacent and didn't have the same fire. And they still won the NBA Finals without much of a challenge at all. I think it's going to compound with time. I think that's that's fair. That's what's going to happen. Fair point. I also think that the NBA, the history of the NBA looks a lot different now than it did a year ago. It's like the difference between winning three and four years and two and three years is, is I think, huge. Um, well, anything else to add, Cooper, to put a bow yeah, on this wild, should, uh, crazy, officially, weird? Officially pass the torch of the NBA to come Durant because he's now the best player. Is it torch passing time? No, I just think that's the biggest overreaction to the NBA Finals. And that's really, like, I don't know if, I don't think we talked about that. That's what makes Golden State so dangerous is Kevin Durant and Steph, like, they don't have to play every single game. And I, this is actually why I don't understand how Kevin Durant won Finals MVP is because I think he took three of the four games off and he went off in game three, um, which was a super important game for them, I guess, winning that series in four. Duh. But I thought Steph had the overall better series. But, like, they can just choose to not play. Uh, and Like, Steph can go one for whatever, 11 from three, like he went in game three, and they can still win because Durant put up 42 or something ridiculous. And they also, in addition to having the best shooter of all time, have the second best shooter of all time, who we haven't even mentioned, Clay Thompson. Who had a, like, not-so-great series. Right. But could easily put up 35 and a quarter if he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. It's dumb. It's like, it really, I mean, we were right about one thing, which is rare, but I feel it's, we should call back to it that we like back in the first round, we said that the NBA playoffs would be entertaining for three rounds, maybe at least in the East, but that there was this inevitability to it, that Golden State was going to be the one team left standing when it was all over. And here we are. Shouts to us. Yeah. We really went out on a limb there. (laughs) A team with four all-stars. It's won two of the last three titles. That was a bold take on our part. Hand up. We accept uh, responsibility. But we're, we're proud to say that we uh, we stuck by it. Here we are. All right. Anything else? Or should we... Uh, let's do the round the horn, dope or not, other sports edition. Because I know John is itching to talk about some college baseball. Also tennis. We haven't talked about the French Open at all. Also tennis. But I'm, I'm itching to talk about college baseball too. So we'll start with that. So we're doing dope or not. Uh, really, this is just our excuse to talk about other sports that aren't the NBA or soccer uh, college baseball, super regional weekend, John, the uh, Mississippi state Bulldogs play in a decisive game three tonight as we're recording this against Vanderbilt to go to the college world series. Uh, we'll start with just super regional weekend in general. You can toss in some Mississippi state thoughts, but is super regional weekend. Has it been dope or not for you? It's been all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that would, that's, you only get like two college baseball games on TV at any given point in time. So not, not all of them are televised, but I'm watching the Florida Auburn game uh, yesterday, which featured, uh, I think future starting pitcher for the Kansas city Royals and a future starting pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. Um, yep. Along with, you know, a host of other guys that are going to play me major league baseball someday. Um, it was, it was kind of neat. I mean, you, they, in college, they still play manufacturer run baseball. So, you know, get on base, bunt, fly balls, you know, that sort of thing to advance the runner. Also, they try, they still try to steal. And I mean, they, they still do the mechanics of baseball. It's not just swinging for the fences like the like major major leagues are slowly becoming. But it was also kind of funny because 
I, it's been raining all weekend down here in the southeast and the field was horrible like it was full of water and like not like they were standing on a lake but that the, the ball would just die once it hit the turf <laughs> and it also meant the outfielders were having a lot of trouble tracking the ball and getting there in time so there were there were a lot of crazy plays inside the park home runs and errors and um which really i think makes baseball fun which one of the reasons why i like to watch the little league world series so much is because of <laughs> crazy things like stealing stealing home which just doesn't happen all that often <laughs> Okay, those, those are all fair things to enjoy, and I enjoy the same things about college baseball. And I also, so I love this. I love college baseball and baseball in general. And this weekend is a fun one. I hope Mississippi State wins. By the way, I'm on. I'm on the Bulldogs train, but I just love the also like the I say like personality, but the like energy and the like dugout antics and the things that come with college baseball that you don't obviously get in Major League Baseball. And I don't think baseball at the major league level needs those things necessarily. Like there's definitely an element of like you're a professional. You don't need to like stack 15 hats on top of one guy's head. Yeah. But, and it just, it, they're clearly having a really fun time with what they're doing. And I think as a fan, that's enjoyable to watch. And so I, I, I love this week. I think it's super dope. Cooper, I know you've been on your phone. Anything to add? All right. So, uh, tennis. Oh, oh yeah. So, the, um, Women's French Open final was yesterday. Simona Halep beat one of our country women in the final. Um, and uh, Sloane Stevens is the defending U.S. Open champion. And then also today the men's final happened, and Rafael uh -huh. Nadal won his 11th French Open title, furthering his the record he already holds for most French Open titles. And he beat Dominic Thiem, who is this uh, a, a young player from Austria who's got a cannon of a forehand and it's probably going to be very good once. Nadal and Federer retire if they ever if, if they ever they, retire. Yeah, they might just die playing tennis. <laughs> Never know. So Cooper, we've gone now gone two straight sports that I'm not sure if you do you want to jump in here at all? Pass. Pass. Next question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm scared I'm gonna say something like super offensive about tennis. So I just shouldn't. Next question. <laughs> okay. So horse racing to keep the, the trend of sports that Cooper probably doesn't care about going. The the triple crown or the the winner of the triple crown happened. That was a really weird way to say that. Wow. Yeah, that was. Uh, winner of the Belmont Stakes. Winner of the Belmont Stakes. And the this, so this is getting to my point actually because I actually am googling right now the name of the horse, which is terrible. Justified. Justified, Justified won the triple crown. Uh, yeah. which is he's the thirteenth horse ever to do that. Correct. Is this dope or not? And I'll I'll start. I I think it is dope, but I find myself like I didn't watch yesterday and I think there's a little, a little bit of like triple crown fatigue because American Pharaoh uh, was the the first one to do it in like 40 years when it happened three years ago and that was a much bigger deal it felt like so I didn't I guess selfishly didn't really find this as dope even though it should have been dope I mean I, I thought it was pretty cool um I don't know. We we watch the Kentucky Derby every year. I don't know if you guys do, but and and listening to the announcers talk about how like the Triple Crown, you know, hasn't happened in so many years, and a lot of the the owners and a lot of the, kind of the institutional horse race people would put um, if if uh, if their horse didn't win the, the Derby, they'd take it out of the Preakness and then wait until the Belmont, so it'd be fresher. And be it'd be more difficult for the horse that's going for the triple crown to beat them in the last race, and so the ability to just overcome, like, I think I think it's I think it's incredible. Um, I mean, obviously the horse doesn't care; he's a horse, <laughs> but it's it's still an incredible feat, and it's one of like, like we we don't have all, as many of these like great athletic historic athletic things in the U.S. as uh, countries around the the west the rest of the world do, like. The U.S. Open for tennis is like the it's the modern tournament, and the I mean it's really the same kind of for golf um, with with the U.S. Open where it moves around to different courses, and it's like they're all you know being toyed around with, and it doesn't have like the character of the British Open. And so I think the the Triple Crown is one of those quintessential American sports competitions that is just very steeped in our tradition and in our history, and it's kind of why I enjoy watching it. Also, it's really fast. I think it's the it's 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 it has a future for uh, declining attention spans. Uh, mm. Cooper, 
That was exactly what I was gonna say. It was not dope. I cannot get hyped about like sitting around the television for like five hours for a two minute race. Like it's just not something <laughs> I can like get into. Does horse racing have a pace to play problem? <laughs> like I just can't get into that. <laughs> so not dope. Like I understand that I'm I actually am geographically closest to like the Derby. Uh, my family gets like super into it. I was forced to like celebrate it as a kid. They put hats on you? No, but like we had to like pick horses and basically bet on horses as kids. I was trained early in terms of horse betting. Um, <laughs> it's just not something I'm into at all. So hard, hard pass. Not dope on this one. Mm. It's a shame. Uh, okay. This has been a very long episode, which is good because we had a lot to talk about. So if you're listening to this still, thank you. We're going to finish now. <laughs> I might mention, I'm actually, I'll start with my waste of data. I'm going to do the reverse waste of data, uh, which I'm prone to do, but it's been a while for me. So my reverse waste of data, I thought this was very cool, was all of the things that came along with the Caps winning the NHL uh, Stanley Cup. So the constant stream of pictures of Alexander Ovechkin taking the cup to different places around Las Vegas and then DC. He was at the Nats game yesterday, just doing all the things with the cup. Some things that probably can't repeat on the air, but love to see that. Also, if you didn't see it, the interview that TJ Oshi gave right after he won, where he was talking about his dad was one of those like sports are pretty cool kind of moments. Um, that was really cool to see. And the the whole caps winning finally. Uh, anytime you have like a team or a player like Ovechkin that's played for a long time and they finally get to the top of their like field, that's always a fun thing as a fan, even if you're not a fan of that team. So that's my dope or not or waste of data. Wow, it's been just go ahead, one of you. <laughs> waste of data. Um, my waste of data is the aluminum bats being used in college baseball. <laughs> At least they've like they've turned them into less of a lethal weapon than they used to be. Yeah. <laughs> when it was like so this is gonna get baseball nerdy. It used to be the uh what were they? Now it's BB core is like the bat style, which is a really like toned down version of the old aluminum bats, which were like ridiculous. Like ac- actually dangerous. Yeah. All right. Yeah, my wisdom data is us. I don't know if I've pulled this card in a while because somehow uh, I feel like I'm being like suppressed in a little bit because our host has decided not to pick uh, or really not talk about the controversy that kind of struck uh, his Patriots uh, this week, and it's just being ignored. And so I feel like that's kind of a big deal. And so the rest of you should go look that up. And no, I'm right yeah. here. We can talk about it if you want. If you want, right now, there's a culture of cheating in New England. Yeah, uh, systemic cheating throughout the nope. franchise. Julian Edelman's just the latest one to engage in it, at least this time. We don't know if he's been doing it for a while now. Major rifts between Belichick and Tom Brady because Guerrero was giving uh, Edelman some drugs that he he should Now you're just like, you're making false. (laughs) This is true. And I'm connecting connecting the obvious stuff. Mistakes. (laughs) And that, like, it's wrong. Yes, he'll serve a suspension. So will Vontez Perfect. So will Mark Ingram. So will other players that we've neglected to discuss on the podcast that I, as the host, have respectfully not brought up because even though they play for your teams, or next, not John's second favorite team and Cooper, your favorite team. Oh, I've never said that, you know, Vontaze Perfect is a saint of a football player. And we all know and that the Bengals are not like, you know, I don't know, have blatant country. Track record of, of also not such yeah. great conduct in the eyes of the league. Yeah. Yes. It's I'm not ignoring things like that. The Bengals have a history of criminality, which is different from cheating. Yes. I mean, right. 100% yeah. Agree. Way better. Way better than. Uh, uh, I'm not. I'm balls. not upset about the like criminality or the corruption. I think just the issue of just pushing it under the rug is something that should We've be. We've been trust. podcasting for an hour and six minutes. So I <laughs> talk about the World Cup. We talk about the NBA. Exactly. You put now it at the end of the episode yeah. so we don't talk about it. No, we're talking about it. We're talking about it right now. I'll throwing it out with the trash, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Patriots are scumbags. Yeah, this is true. Thank you guys for listening to episode 61 <laughs> of All the Small Takes all the way to whatever minute mark we're at right now. Um, yeah, no, this was, this was good. We appreciate our friend Nick coming on and talking about the World Cup. We'll have, uh, have plenty of World Cup updates and talk and discussion as we go through these next like four weeks 
been a fun ride with the NBA this year. We'll say goodbye to that for another like week until we can now start talking about the offseason of LeBron. It's offseason ticker season. And so uh, we'll get into all that. We'll, we'll have a, a more eventful summer, certainly, than we've had last year. But, uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. And we'll, until next time. Stay woke. Nope. <laughs>